Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. BDPAI Radio showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, and computer science academics. We highlight people with a passion for educating our youth in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPAI Radio Show serves the BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the black community. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology. Well, welcome to the BDPAI Radio Show. Today is Tuesday, October 14th, 2014, and I'm Fran McNeil, your host. We've got a great show planned for you this evening, and we're going to get started right away. I'd like to welcome our first guest, Ayuba. Ayuba is a program manager with Microsoft, and Ayuba, how are you feeling today? How's your day going so far? I'm doing all right, Fran. How about you? Just fine, thanks. You know, it's very exciting to have you on the show. And before we um, actually started the show, we were talking a little bit about BDPA. And so I really wanted you to share, how did you first find out about BDPA? Definitely. As I was speaking earlier, I mentioned how the difference for me with BDPA centers around that support and that nurturing, that sense of community you get in addition to the skills you acquire that is transparent through the process. What speaks even more to that is how I found out about BDPA was through a colleague, a friend, and a personal mentor of mine by the name of Kevin Robinson. He's also a member of the organization, and he was kind enough to basically say, hey, I'm going to take a bet on you and share this opportunity, and I just want you to just accept it and see what it is. And at the end of the entire process, let me know what you think about it which resulted in me going to the conference, experiencing BDPA, meeting the great folks we have out there, interacting, and then really taking back a story and an experience that has changed a lot of things for me. That's kind of how I was introduced to BDPA, and that was the bet that was given to me, and I think it paid off, and I'm glad I took that. Well, that's, that's a really powerful story. I mean, given your experience and... I'm going to read a little bit about your bio to our audience. Um, As a technical program manager for Microsoft's codename Project Sienna, um, you ensure that the architecture, design, and user experience are world-class. Now, you lead test and development teams to ensure that Sienna meets the needs of information workers the world over and you also work with an in-house design team to solve large, historically difficult VEX challenges. So as a program manager within Microsoft, what, what do you do that is most impactful 
to both you and your team. Um, why is your role there within the organization? I think the role is there in a sense, if you think about it, every product, not just software, but your phone, the desk you're looking at, the car you drive, every little thing. There are all these decisions that were made before you encountered the product. So when you walk into a store today and you pick up a dress, you pick up a phone, whatever you pick up, there are a bunch of decisions that are encapsulated within that product. And you would always like a situation where when you pick it up, you know, you use your phone, you like it, you love it, everything just seems to work. It would be a phone as if Fran designed it. That's the impression that needs to land. Now, unfortunately, you can't be on every product in your life making sure that every little detail about the desk and the table meets that. But the way it's designed at Microsoft is there are people who, that's their job, where they need to sit down and decide what is the best experience, what is the best form, what is the best shape, how can I make this easier and better? Is this acceptable? Is this not acceptable? And so those are the kind of decisions and those are the kind of calls that people in my role need to make. Because when we make those calls, that now allows us to kind of guide how we build things out, whether it's from the design point, whether it's from the architecture point, whether it's from even the testing side. We kind of have this idea where we have a thesis that we're working around. And so that's the value of the role that people like myself provide at Microsoft. It's really the stewards of the product, making sure that when the user encounters the product, they have the best possible experience, and it's as easy as possible to do anything. Wow. That is really exciting. And because BDPA works with individuals literally from the classroom to the boardroom, how does someone begin to gain the training that's necessary to be in a role such as yours? I so so I'd say I think the biggest thing is to be curious. And you always get various descriptions in your life where they tell you being curious is asking questions and that is a big part of it. But I think the broader goal is to really look at things and really question not just when you know or when you don't know rather, but also when you know. When you go, okay, this makes sense, I understand why this door is like this, or I understand why the road is like this. Sometimes it helps to actually truly understand, well, is an exit really on the right side for a particular reason or it was just convenient? Is this doorknob really the way it is or that's just for convenience? So you start to question not just what you don't know but also what you do know and really figure out, is this really the best way? And if it's not, why didn't we do it and why, is there a better way? I think just having that ethos from your day to day sets you up in general for being in a role like this because in the end you will be always in that position and you should always be of that mindset where as a steward of the product it's your responsibility to make sure that the user has the best experience. And the only way you can do that is by asking questions, by challenging whether this is the best way or there's something better we can do. And if there's nothing better we can do, how can we make it softer? How can we do things more gracefully, even in adversity? I think the mindset of being truly curious both about known and unknown, is something that will set you up for success, whether it's even this role or even any other role. Just truly understanding the why and really mm -hmm. going down that path is the way. Wow. I, I, I'm going to sort of pull that out of the quote. 
truly understanding the why. And as I go back over your bio, um, you ensure that the architecture, design, and user experience are world-class. I can see why you talked about curiosity, questions, um, design, and testing that that now makes um, better sense to me. Now, before moving to the startup group that you're um, that you were in, uh, but before moving to this startup group within the cloud and enterprise division, you were with one of the few global escalation uh, part of the global escalation leads for Microsoft's premier enterprise configuration management tool system center, and you worked with engineering and leadership across Fortune 500 companies. And even with Microsoft since 2012, you uh, graduated from Florida Institute of Technology. So, again, a question that I have for you in understanding the BDPA bands um, from the classroom to the boardroom. Yeah. Um, how how have um, STEM-based associations helped you in your educational process and also in your career development? Oh, excellent. I think the value of STEM-based associations really comes down to community, again, and I think I've used that word a couple of times. I think that's the value, at least for me, they provide, especially in the context of a career. Because when you think about it, there's so much knowledge we have collectively where there are people in my role who have had varied experiences because they've worked at various companies, various groups within the same company, even at various times within the same group. And there are all these learnings and, so to say, gems of wisdom or pearls of wisdom that they can provide, where if you look across and really take a slice of all these experiences, and again, try to distill them to the essence, what are the stories, what are the decisions that were made, what are some of those career changes that were taken? And just the little things, why did they move from this role to that role? Just really analyzing those decisions, that true why. There's a lot of value and story and learning you can gain. It almost goes back to the proverb of standing on the shoulders of men. And so for me, just being involved with that, those associations provides that avenue where I can sit down and discuss in an open space and really truly understand, you know, what's going on and what are the things I should be cognizant about. Um, it also gives me ideas on skills I need to gain. And it also helps me help others as well. So it's not just a take, 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 but it's also a community where I can share, share my insights, share my experiences that can either help people coming on or also allow people who've been doing it for a while to see a different perspective. And so it's that nice give-and-take relationship that I think helps nurture someone along in a career. Very, very powerful. Now, um, when I read a little further in your bio, I see that you've been active in other STEM-based associations and that you've recently competed in Startup Weekend. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what the Startup Weekend was, why you chose that, and how does that connect with your professional development? Sure. Startup Weekend is something 
I tend to get involved in. And the real thing about Startup Weekend is that they look at it as, hey, everybody's busy 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, sometimes Saturday and Sunday, depending on where you work. So how about we just provide this space or this environment, we'll take care of the food, we'll take care of you know bathroom and a few amenities, provide people with Wi-Fi, get them in a room, whether it's an engineer, a business person, a designer, a psychologist, a CEO, what have you, just people with ideas and experiences that they're willing to share and build upon an idea. Can we get them in a room for, let's say, 54 hours, a Friday to a Sunday, and convince them or challenge them to get that idea into some sort of MVP. And so that's the goal with the Startup Weekend. And why I like to go to them is it's an opportunity to connect where you're meeting people. The last one I went to, there was a kid on my team. He was 12 years old. Wow. And he was doing all the programming. I mean, I completely sat back and I said, there are things I understand and there are things I could probably do faster, but there's no value to me. He's 12, and he's willing to stay up till 12. His dad was willing to allow him to stay up till 12 as well. And write code for an idea that wasn't even his, but he had the passion enough to, one, show up for the startup weekend, and two, actually contribute to a team. And so you see little things like that that are very powerful but very inspiring. And so you go there, and I like to go to Connect. It also helps to build a network. So as you go there, there are people who are freelance, there are people who are actually working in companies like myself, there are people who are running down startups, and they're just people who are just curious. And so you get all those people in a room, and again, it's various perspectives, but there's something special that happens when you all sit together in a room and try to solve a problem for a very long time, not just a meeting one, two hours, but you sit for about 54 hours. Certain bonds start to form, unbeknownst to you. You like the way somebody looks at a problem over the course of a couple of days. You might like the way someone goes to approach users in the field when you do decide to test your prototype. Things like that start to stick with you. You like the way this person presented. And so all these connections start to form and you start to go, oh, this you know, might be a good person to keep in touch with. And so networks start to build. And then on the skill side, what it provides you is an avenue to go, hey, well, at work, we use all these technologies, and I can make a case for this all other stuff. But in terms of business sense, it doesn't make any business sense to switch over because there are no real value propositions that I can truly argue. Or I really just don't know if there's a value proposition. It provides me that avenue where I can sit down and go, you know what, I've never played with this thing. I'm going to play with it for 54 hours, and I'm going to see if it's actually worth looking into. And so you leave with insights that you can take back to the workplace on Monday and go, Hey, guys, I know we've talked about this, and maybe we had an idea we didn't, but I have real data now. I have real experience. I have a real sample, and I can kind of speak to either A, we do want to do it, B, we might want to investigate, or even C, okay, maybe it's not worth our time, and here's why. And here's why what we're doing is actually better. So all those kind of insights, the network and the connection, all happens in this very short amount of time. And the only cost to you is a weekend, which to me isn't much for that kind of benefit. I think you would agree. Wow, that that is very exciting. And I know that we've had other guests that have done um, startup weekends in various forms. And that 54-hour format, everyone is in the same place sort of sleeping over, or do people come and go within the 54 hours? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so some um, people come and go. Uh, depends on the 
the dynamic and the groups I've been in, most people tend to stay most of the 54 hours. All the ones I've gone, I pretty much stayed at least 48 hours. And then I would only go home probably in the morning for a shower and come right back. Okay. Uh, some other teams tend to leave every evening and come back. It, it all depends on the dynamic. But so far, I think it speaks more to the experience because to me, the home would always be there. You can always go do that. You can take a shower in the morning, shower in the evening. That's fine. But I think there's something nice about just being in there and just toughing it out, like really questioning all the decisions and you really need to get into a headspace of it doesn't need to be perfect. I just need to convey the idea, which is the other benefit I really like about the startup weekend. We're so caught up in work and life to do things perfectly. End to end, it has to work. We have to cover all scenarios. And now you're faced with, well, you just need to prove this idea and there's some viability in it. And sometimes that means half of the things don't work. We need to find creative, crafty ways to convey the idea because once the idea works in a person's mind, it doesn't matter if the prototype only had three buttons. They just need to see the idea. And so that's a different mindset where you're forced to really think outside, inside, in the middle, all areas of the box, and really look for those little opportunities. Those areas you can get the most bang for your buck and deliver an experience. Um, so we worked on prototypes that, and on Monday, they you actually poke all the way through. They don't work. But just for the scenario, just for the demo, you go through the golden path, it works great, and people get it. I think that's something that's very subtle and very powerful that people can gain from just going through those. Your mind really is forced to think, which is something oh. you may not get to do every day. Mind is forced to think. So that MVP is not the most valuable player. That's the minimum it's, value proposition. Viable. The minimum, I like value proposition. That's a good one, which is what it makes. But the real term is the minimum viable product. So what's the viable minimum thing product. you can distill it to? And that's the bare essence of your idea. Okay, okay excellent. Thanks. So we're in October of 2014, okay. and 2015 is right around the corner. Um, okay. You have really focused on user experience, critical thinking, being curious, um, the power of teams. Um, so what trends, from your perspective as a professional, do you feel are important for minority technology professionals to keep their eye on so that they're you know, ahead of the curve or kind of close to the curve for 2015? I think the trend that people should pay attention to or consider paying attention to is an outcome of another trend. So I'll start off with the first trend. The first trend we're seeing, of course, is cloud computing, social, big data analytics, and mobile devices, and just mobile in general, taking over the space and providing new opportunities and new markets for people to go after now, that's interesting, and by itself, powerful things have come out of that. But I think the real powerful trend that we're seeing is the trend that comes after that, which is the race to developers. Whereas these cloud providers are starting to establish themselves, these services and these insights and these analytics are coming across, there's going to be a race for getting developers to build out experiences on these platforms. It's going to be no different from what we saw with Android and iOS and Windows Phone, in the end, it's always about 
how many developers can you get on the platform, and what kind of rich experiences can those developers build. Once they can build those experiences, then there will be a nice amount of customers who will be ready to consume those experiences. And so the big thing people need to be cognizant about is that people need to get ready for that race, and by ready, things in the organizations need to change. Where now we need to get into a mindset of having a looser architecture in terms of just building things out. Things need to be easily decoupled and recoupled. We also need to look at open source software as an avenue as well to get ready. Because now it's not just about, oh, you need to buy this one solution and this other solution, but you need to think about what is really out there for technology, open source or not, that can support my needs. Open source has been very good, though, about providing solutions. And if that's the case, it's not just, oh, this is a cheaper alternative, X, Y, Z. It's really about, do we understand this community and does this community solve our need? And if so, can we take that technology and start to bring it into our enterprise? And so things like that, just getting the organizations ready so that they get to a point where when their customers come knocking and say, hey, I don't like the way my healthcare has been delivered to me. I need you guys to make me an app. I need it on my tablet. I need it on my TV. I need it here. The organization is not stuck going, well, we're still on this 20-decade-old software. We, we can't give you that experience. No, they can say, oh, you want it on this device? Sure. You can talk to the developers in the back, and they can make that experience happen if it already hasn't happened. So I think the big trend to pay attention to is really around what happens after cloud computing, all these providers come in, social, mobile devices have all become commonplace. Customers are going to start demanding much better, richer experiences. And the only way you can deliver those experiences is through pulling in developers. But you need to be ready to have those developers come in, which is either through your stack, through the technologies you use, kind of through the mindset and skills you look for, you need to be ready. Because once those customers come knocking, there's no way you can send them back. Mm-hmm. Very, very powerful. And as we wrap up, um, what's the final thought that you have for our members and sponsors? I think the final thought is be aware. I think that's the final thought. I'll just leave it with. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of change. We always say IT changes. But I think specifically at this time, there is a lot of churn happening. There are a lot of new opportunities coming up, and there are a lot of things people can take advantage of. So I think just from organizational perspective, from your career, from things you do day to day, I think it's it's really worth taking a second look and really looking and asking yourself the question, am I doing the right things for my organization? Am I doing the right things for my career? Am I doing the right things for myself, my family, even the technologies you bring into your home? All these things are opportunities that you really need to properly investigate and take a look at. So I think the broader goal is just be aware. Very, very powerful. Well, I really thank you for taking some time out of your evening to share your thoughts, share your experience, Um, wonderful energy. I know that um, you were a presenter at our 2014 technology conference, so I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts then. And uh, have a great evening. We really appreciate you being on the show. I have been fine. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. 
Well, folks, with us, uh, the interview that you just heard was Ayuba Edua, and he is a program manager with Microsoft, and we really appreciate him being on the show. Up next is Tim Butts. Tim is the principal and owner of TEB1 and Associates, and I believe that Tim is on the line right now. So welcome, Tim. How are you this evening? I'm doing great, Fran. How are you? Just fine, thanks. Thanks for being on the show tonight. I want to oh, thank you. I want to share with our listeners a little bit about your background. Tim Buck owns a consultancy that specializes in business intelligence and IT systems. He's been working with healthcare organizations for over twenty years. His company, T E B One and Associates, came on board as a BDPA sponsor earlier in 2014. So, Tim, thank you for being a VDPA sponsor. And um, I, of course, would like to ask you the question I usually ask most of our guests, and that is when and how did you first learn about VDPA? I first learned and then dived in while working with Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, Betty Hutchins and I compared notes about doing things to affect the community, and we saw that there was a real opportunity to get people engaged in IT, but also to do more than that. And we became aware of the BDPA organization, but we not only wanted to just uh, learn about it, we decided to actually start a chapter. So Southern Minnesota Chapter is a chapter that we founded, along with some other great people over there at Mayo Clinic and IBM there in Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, that's that's uh, how it all got rolling. Wow, that's really, really powerful. Right, yep. right, yeah. So been a very strong chapter for a number of years. Um, now, as you got involved in BDPA, I know that you've played um, a number of different roles. Tell us about your decision to add to that series of roles by being a BDPA sponsor. So in looking at ourselves, when I look in the mirror and say, if I'm a business owner, how can I help to inspire other business owners to step up to the plate to give their time, talent, and treasure to an organization, but also the students, I want them to be able to see that entrepreneurial activities can happen it can happen in the STEM environment, and I can be just like them, having sat where they are, but also still rise to start a, a business and uh, just inspire and affect change within the industry. So in doing that, you, you certainly identified that you're an entrepreneur. How did you make that transition from working at the Mayo Clinic to being an entrepreneur, and, and how has VDPA been part of that journey? Great question. So the BDPA opportunity for growth and self, I guess self-awareness has been tremendous, and it helped to nurture me. It also helped me to be more aware of young people, older people, people in the industry, people even outside of the industry, wanting to do things, wanting to do it in a structured way. Much like the previous uh, uh, guest spoke about, when people really look around at the opportunity for engagement, 
if they really want to apply that um, that looking around that sense of community, then that's a real opportunity to say, hey, I can sponsor an idea. I can sponsor other thought. I can help to motivate or inspire others. So I would say that over the course of years, both by uh, good role models, individuals that I've met in the organization, and how they wanted to move things along, it really helped to give me some direction and encouraged me to even become a lifetime member. And that is something that um, just been a reflection of me putting my money where my mouth is, but also, like I said before, time, talent, and treasure all being invested in a movement that I think is worthwhile. Well, I know, Tim, that when we talk about investment, it is, in fact, more than money or in addition to money, it is time. And in 2014 at the National Conference, you were a presenter for the Youth Technology Camp. Um, Tell us about that experience. Um, What did you share at the Technology Camp, and what was the feedback from the youth that participated? So TEB1 presented a couple of seminars, a couple of sessions, on the topics of professional and business etiquette as a STEM individual and how that translates if you're not already familiar with some of the typical business etiquette you might be now diving into. We came up with that uh, scenario, that, that type of framing, because some people are introverted, some people have been exposed to the classroom but not the boardroom, some people are being mentored, but All of this combined, we saw as an opportunity to really say, let's talk about what you know that you know, things that you don't know, and also allow some quizzing, some feedback from the students. It was a beautiful experience, actually, hearing the questions from the students because they were so sincere in what they knew, but also what they didn't know, what they wanted to know more about. One gentleman even shared that um, he had come from another country, He had not eaten a couple of the dishes that we are having at the conference, and it was a great opportunity for him to learn more about certain foods, but also to learn about certain etiquette at the table that he hadn't been exposed to. Very, very polished young man, but still there were things that were new to him. So there in that environment, we were able to talk about the settings on the table, the proper attire for certain certain things. I was able to pull in some um, some of my inroads expertise and other things that I've learned along my career, and my team was able to share with these students different things they might want to think about, but also with with the persons that were there with them, we were just talking about what blind spots there might be and how we can better model and encourage them to be the best they can be as they go from potentially being the person in the back doing uh, computer work to being out in the front leading the team. And I think that that's been a a theme that has run throughout the show, um, how technology, um, Ayuba talked about the customer experience, and how leadership and communication are all intertwined. And as a technology professional, um, you talked about coming from behind the computer, that it's not just about the programming. Um, there's the problem solving, there's the leadership, there's the teamwork. So you are in a very special niche within IT, and that's 
healthcare IT. Um, right. Why that particular area for your business? I was blessed to be in healthcare IT years ago. Coming out of grad school, I had a really good conversation with some professors, some deans, and others that uh, were helping me to structure and mold my career. And I determined that healthcare and healthcare IT was the way for me to go. So we looked at where the potential was back in early 90s, and we recognized that a lot of paper-based systems were eventually going to go away. We saw the advent of the Internet and how that was affecting business. And also, my family had already been in healthcare. My parents worked in the VA system. So I already had uh, a leg up on the healthcare aspect. So diving into that and then working at Mayo Clinic and then taking those skill sets and from the leadership I was able to uh, provide there, it made sense to apply it in an entrepreneurial way. So now TEB1 works in terms of TEB1 and associates. We build up linkages and partnerships with, with, with activities in healthcare, healthcare IT, that's rapidly changing. If you don't mind, I'm going to digress into one opportunity that uh, we've partnered up with, an organization called Practice Unite. So they're a secure mobile communication system. And if you don't know, a lot of physicians are not able to always access securely their peers or get updates immediately on critical information, critical analytics. So my partnership with Practice Unite, for example, uh, we are now in a position where we are going to be building early models and probably be first in the market with um, something that probably will let people know when somebody goes in saying, let's say they're scared of Ebola or something. We'll be able to get updates on their health and actually be able to trigger communication and interact with EHR systems almost immediately. There won't be that delay. There won't be that troublesome interaction with an EHR system. It will be more immediate, and there will be a structured communication. But it will also be secure, and that's vital within IT and vital within healthcare to have secure communication to protect the patient's information and their data, but also to put them in the right direction to get proper care. So I think you'll be hearing more about that partnership and that, that organization as things go forward. So that's just that's a yeah, that's just an example of one of the opportunities that's coming up with healthcare, the rapid change, and how it vitally affects things right now. Okay, okay. And so I think that really leads me into my next question, which is what are the top three hot issues in healthcare IT? Um, and, and why you identify those issues as the top three? Okay. In healthcare IT, system interoperability, having all the systems that are rapidly being developed, have those be able to talk to each other in a way that's useful, not cumbersome to the existing healthcare system, but also easily adopted. One leg of what we do at TEB1 is training and education. So that's definitely one of the three. Uh, another would be engagement, patient engagement. So often, we, the patients, when we go into a healthcare setting, think that, hey, the doctor is my best connection to God. I can get any information or I trust them implicitly or explicitly. Well, people don't understand that with HIPAA, 
they are responsible for maintaining their own health care records. And patients need to be engaged in this whole process. They shouldn't be so blind as to not know what things uh, are going on with their own health care. They should know the primary thing causing all of this is this. And I know I found that out on that day when I took this test, and here's evidence of it in my personal health record that I have. And you can maintain those types of records in the cloud. Uh, I'd say the third one would be mobile health or even home health. Because we have technology integrated with healthcare, uh, let's say at elderly homes, um, nursing homes, etc., you now can have a lot of different healthcare activity there at the home, have monitoring there without having to take someone out, bring them to the hospital, and then bring them back home. You can tie them in whether that person's mobile, remote, et cetera, with technology, you can have a more real-time experience because of the virtual activity that's enabled via technology. So I'd say those are the three hot things, especially underlying all that is security, of course. But those, uh, the other three are the three main things that I'm really focused on uh, in the type of projects that we're trying to do and trying to make a difference in the industry. Okay, that that is very, very helpful. And again, you have a very special lens having um, gotten into this area of specialty early on in 1997. So as we look forward to 2015, what trends are important for minority technology professionals overall, um, whether they're in healthcare IT or not. I like the notion, and a lot of people are saying it these days, STEM, 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 STEM. I like the fact that more people are aware of the acronym, what it means, and, and more people need to be plugged in and actually taking courses and careers in STEM, and I'd say that's very important for minority technology professionals to know, but also to stick their, to stick their feet in. If they are doing it, Come out on the weekend, engage, teach a class, uh, mentor somebody, because when you're able to teach it as well as do it, then you really know it. And also being able to engage. And I think a great opportunity to learn how to engage is by teaching, by mentoring others. When you do it that way, you can kind of get in a friendly environment. You can stumble a little bit, but you also know that the person that you're engaged with has a vested interest in what you're saying. You actually can build a community, a shared knowledge base, and also great networking opportunity by building that. So that trust really takes both of you and the whole group to the higher level. My old slogan is, it's not about taking away a piece of the pie. It's about making the pie bigger. And when you engage with other people, you're making the pie bigger. Um, and that, that almost uh, is, a, is a wonderful lead-in in terms of, again, reminding people and or encouraging people to think about how they can learn, engage, volunteer, give back, support, and mentor within the BDPA community. I know that I've noticed over the last few years um, you have been a very active member with Philadelphia BDPA. And so, again, um, I want to thank you and compliment you for your leadership role as an entrepreneur in sponsoring college student mentorship, uh, memberships as well as um, volunteering at the youth technology camp. Um, you are, in fact, 
doing what you're encouraging other people to to do as well. So as Thank you. We, you're welcome. You're welcome. As we wrap up um, this particular interview, what's the final thought that you'd like to share with our BDPA iRadio listeners? A thought that a professor shared with me years ago is something that is always in the back of my mind, and I see it so much every day. There is nothing more constant than change. It's imperative that we learn to be nimble. In that nimbleness, um, give us give us an example that is related to um, some of the outreach that you've done within BDPA. So within BDPA. We've done collaboration with other organizations, uh, the Leaders of Tomorrow with National Black MBA, the Inroads Organization, the Big Brothers Big Sisters, the CASA Organization. It's just vital to expose people to what you know, but also find out what they want to know, and then collaborate. That really is a big part of the business model that I try to use, and that is all about collaboration and association. And through that, you actually build greater synergies, greater opportunity for everyone. So that really has just been my uh, my, my credo the, uh, that I'll tell around the core values of what uh, I've tried to operate with. Well, Tim, I really, again, thank you for being on the BDPA iRadio show this evening. I know that uh, you and I have been talking about you having a more regular presence as a future co-host, so uh, I'm looking forward to that happening in November. So, um, again, I want to thank you for being on the show this evening and uh, certainly wish you a wonderful week. My pleasure. Thanks so much, everybody. Welcome. So, folks, as we wrap up for this evening, I want to again thank our guest. Our first guest was Ayuba Adu, Program Manager with Microsoft, and our second guest was Tim Butt, full owner of TEB1 and Associates. I'm Fran McNeil. In the studio is Everaldo Gallimore. And our executive director of BVPA, Education and Technology Foundation, is Wayne Hicks. We look forward to having you join us the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. And in fact, our next show is um, Tuesday, October 24, 2014. We look forward to you joining us. And Everaldo is going to help us close out the show with an ad from one of our sponsors. BDPA, the largest African-American technology association in the U.S., is thankful for its gold corporate sponsors, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, Montana, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas, as well as Miller Coors and State Farm Insurance for their support of the 2014 National BDPA Technology Conference and Free Career Fair from August 5th through 9th at the JW Marriott in Indianapolis, Indiana. 
It is with the support of sponsors such as these that allow BDPA to continue forward with its mission of training students and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math. BDPA values the relationship of the gold corporate sponsorships of Blue Cross and Blue Shield, Miller Coors, and State Farm Insurance and shares their vision and commitment to building safer, stronger, and better educated communities. For more information on the BDPA Technology Conference and Career Fair or to be a sponsor, visit www.bdpa.org. The BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, a nonprofit organization that exists for the sole purpose of funding BDPA programs, scholarships, and services around the nation. Follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash BDPA Foundation, or Twitter, www.twitter.com forward slash BDPA. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.